0: Hello and welcome to episode number nine of the Strictly Untied podcast. This episode we will cover release management and exceptions and we also have some follow-ups and we want to talk about uh, the Google event that happened last night. Hello, Pasi. Hey, everyone. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Yourself? I've got a bit of a sore throat, so... Please excuse me in advance if I cough or sound a bit rough. Yeah, and know. I'm
0: super tired, so I probably won't make too much sense, but we'll try our best.
1: Okay. So before we jump onto the main topic, uh, I wanted to follow up on something I said in the last episode. And this is regarding the, um, the lack of headphone jack on the new iPhone and the lightning connector as a... As a means to uh, transport audio, I said. Oh, well, the rumor was that uh, the new the Apple was going to rewire some of the pins of Lightning to be able to do analog audio pass through. It turns out this is not the case. Uh, so every adapter um, from Lightning to 3.5 millimeter jack or Lightning headphones will need to uh, contain a, their own digital to analog converter. Uh, also known as uh, DAC. Uh, so, yeah, that is the case. Um, sorry I said something that was a rumor and wasn't right. But yeah. How dare you, how dare you.
0: <laughs> and the new Google phone, satisfyingly not without a 3.5 headphone jack. Did you see that slide last night? Yep, I found that funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was one of the few jabs that, th- that actually hit. But, yeah, I think that was interesting. That's in d-
1: I find that interesting. We're probably going to cover that when we talk about the Google event. But that's the kind of thing that so many companies have done, like opportunistic kind of comment that will most likely people will look back and laugh at those comments and
0: oh, remember when they loved the uh, the iPhone Seven not having the headphone jack. Um, yeah, I can definitely ad- see it in that case, but n- normally Apple is way more aggressive on, on those kind of things, right? Like, oh my God, look at all the malware that exists on, on Android and that kind yeah, of stuff.
1: Yeah, but the difference is that, the, for example, in the case of the malware, it is an issue, a real issue, right? And I'm not saying that Apple is always right, but uh, like many other people, like, uh, Microsoft laughing at the iPhone or BlackBerry also p- laughing at the iPhone, the lack of productivity and professional keyboard and apps. Uh, look at BlackBerry nowadays. and Personally,
0: I just wish they would all cut it. I, I think it's getting a bit old, but nah. Yeah,
1: it sounds a bit childish. For example, I, I'm I enjoy much more the kind of jokes with I don't know the color names for the new, uh, for the new phones. Yeah, I prefer yeah. that one as well. Okay, but we are getting a bit of a ahead of ourselves here uh, because Pascal, you started uh, your new job, right? Uh, you left Twitter a few weeks ago. I did,
0: yeah, yeah. There was an emotional day, but the week after, I joined a company with another blue lo- logo, bit darker shade of blue. It's the big F. It's Facebook. That's where I work now. Um, so I won't talk about anything, obviously, that I've seen here so far at Facebook on the podcast, not to give the wrong impressions. I don't really know the comms policy all that well, but um, it should be relatively easy for me because I haven't actually touched a single line of Android code yet. So, yeah, Have you been
1: keeping up uh, your own spare time or you're taking a break of Android development for a while?
0: I think the last time I've touched Android code was actually with you uh also had facebook but on the weekend when we attended a hackathon uh, yep. home automation hack it was quite interesting
1: um we
0: learned a few things not good all of them <laughs> yeah yeah what was your takeaway um i
1: think my main takeaway is if you buy some uh, some material and some devices to play with home automation uh, it's important to make sure that the sdks work well and the kind of integration Integration points are are nice and simple and work fine, because um, even though it was fantastic, it was great that Facebook provided some um, some material for us to to play with, um, especially the light bulbs and some of the um, the beacons we play with. They were not great, at least or at least in that time we had.
0: Yeah, one interesting takeaway was uh, so this was all Android themed so it was an Android home automation hackathon, but <laughs> we completely relied on you having an iOS device for yep. setting up the light bulbs because the uh, Android software wasn't really working all that well.
1: Yeah, but once again, that was mainly because the the light bulbs uh, we had, they were rebranded from a different manufacturer. Oh. And the rebranded app uh, only worked f- properly in on iOS, and then I had to help a few people to set them up. But then one of the organizers found the original app for the original light bulbs and that worked fine um so yeah that, that was but anyway we had a really good time all day we managed to get some stuff done
0: yeah uh, we we got a lot of disparate parts working in the end uh the only bit that was basically missing was the integration of all of them yeah. but yeah it was was interesting
1: yeah shall we very briefly tell what the idea was what we worked on
0: yeah, uh, sure. Okay. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so basically the idea was a system for um, mainly targeting people that share flats. Um, you know, you don't necessarily live with your family. And probably you have your your own room but and you share the rest of the house. So the idea is when you get home, uh, if you want to go to sleep early or whatever, you launch the app. You set um, the app in sleep mode because you're going to bed. And when your housemates arrive... If they try to play loud music or make noise or whatever, the, the system or this app that we built will detect the the high levels of uh, noise. Yeah, and, and you we'll can just
0: use the microphone in your phone for that.
1: Yeah, and then we, we kind of create some kind of uh, silent alarms with the light bulbs. And the idea was to use the beacons to detect when you're home, so you don't need to necessarily always tell it. But the range of the beacons was really... Not great and not not very controllable, not very granular. So, yeah.
0: Well, I, I think we just wanted to integrate as many parts as possible. A more <coughs> productive approach would have been to use existing SDKs like geofencing, for example. That would have made it a bit easier, I think. Yeah, exactly. Actually trying to integrate beacons into that. Okay.
1: So, by the way, Pascal, I've noticed that black slab of glass on the desk. What is it? That is my... Can you describe it to to the (laughs) listeners?
0: No, no, I can't. Uh, I I listened to a very bad Johnny Ive impression last night. I don't want to repeat that. Um, Yeah, I've I've got an iPhone. It's a 6S, and it's my my corporate one here. So when when I joined Facebook, I had the choice between um, a Samsung S7 and an iPhone 6S. And for various reasons, I picked an iPhone. I, I think the biggest one, just just being that I don't have an iOS device at the moment, and uh, while well, working at Twitter, I think that was to my detriment in, in many cases. So when you, for example, worked on a new feature and we were a bit late, uh, or we, we tried to implement the same on Android, would have to borrow someone else's iPhone to look at it, and I think it's just a good idea to stay up to date with both both platforms if you work in this space. Yep, I, I totally agree. And also, I I just don't want to have a Samsung phone. Sorry.
1: <laughs> okay, so what is it the the thing you like the most compared to Android, and what is it that <laughs> what you dislike
0: the most? So I gotta say it is so smooth compared to every Android phone that I own. So I've got a. Um, six, uh, 6p 6 here next to 6p uh, next to me and even though it's okay I think it's just an embarrassment for uh, being oh okay no longer the, the flagship phone since yesterday but okay. for the longest time it was the flagship phone and I, I still have to reboot it basically every day in order to not have it freeze on me all the time do you have an uh so you used the 5x right for yeah until it died yeah oh yeah (laughs) i'm still (laughs) waiting for replacement (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah i didn't did you get this a lot because i i still have it that sometimes i i try to switch from one up to the other and i have to wait for 10 seconds and and nothing happens and
1: no to be honest uh my experience with the nexus 5x was really good until it died um which kind of uh,
0: yeah that's that's not ideal yeah um uh, yeah, I, I still got so many frame drops. And the, the most annoying one is, and I think this started actually with uh, Android um, 6, that if that happens while you're typing and you have a frame drop, it, it interprets that as a long press oftentimes. So uh, oh, really? I, I will see numbers in my instead of letters all the time when my phone is having hiccups.
1: Oh, so would that be because the timers are associated? So the... Wait. Why
0: would that happen? Well, if you uh, if you check if something is a long press and you take um, oh, because the it's event che- time. T- time stamps. It's checking yeah. time stamps. Oh, that is bad. It is bad. And it's clearly a regression because I, I still have um, a Nexus 4. And that one also lacks from time to time, but it never misinterprets um one of those events as as a long press on my keyboard, and it, it's just incredibly annoying because then the auto correct from the Google keyboard also doesn't work because it thinks if you deliberately insert a number, then uh, you probably mean it. But nope, nope, it's not the case. I I, I have a lot of really weird typos in my messages mm. all the time. Yeah, um, this has never happened to me uh, on iOS, at least so far. Um, but something I wanted to ask you is since I I've got iOS. 10 on this one here. What's actually different? Because I, I've used iOS 9 before, I think, on my iPad mini, which I barely use, but but anywhere was on there, and I think it's now locked on that and won't get any more any further upgrades. But I haven't really noticed any changes. So, uh, some things that I know, are there were some changes to Apple Music and to iMessage, yeah. and those are two products I don't think I've ever launched. Okay,
1: so actually, that's something... I do use those two uh, products, and Apple Music has improved a lot. It was, I must admit, but the previous version was really uh, unpolished, let's put it that way. Uh, And now it's not perfect, but uh, it has improved a lot. It uh, kind of annoys me, and this is a side note, it kind of annoys me that they removed the love, button so before in the previous inc- incarnation of uh, upper music they they wanted you to feed a recommendation system with every time you like a song there would be a hard button that you could press and it was in the locked screen you could like it from from there from your watch from itunes on your mac from everywhere and now it's buried so I'm not quite sure what they're trying to do there, whether they've improved their recommendation system and it doesn't need that kind of input anymore. I don't know. Anyway, so music is a welcome improvement for me. iMessages, it also... I I talk to many people that um, have iPhones, and for a while I tried to do this, now hindsight, stupid thing of trying to use Hangouts, Google Hangouts, as much as possible with everybody to have a unified... Place right. to talk yep. to people, and um, Hangouts is terrible, especially on mobile. Um,
0: well, well, uh, well, it's no, pretty clear if you just look at Google's push towards Allo that they probably won't y- allocate as many yeah. resources to
1: Hangouts anymore. And even this experience from desktop, I know I've been talking about Yak Yak, this uh, open source client. Right, but I mean, if Google doesn't care about it, why, why should I? Like, I don't know. Anyway, Messages now is much nicer. um yeah, I'm transitioning to it to many conversations and moving them to, to messages. So that's one thing. And uh, now things that mm, you may not have seen. The new unlocking system is quite nice. Uh beca- because you had the iPad one, you didn't have touch ID probably. Right. Yeah. But now there's no more um swipe to unlock. Uh it's just you put your finger on the sensor. So it it wakes. Uh, the phone wakes when you raise it, yeah, which is nice. You can see your notifications, and then to unlock it, you simply press the button, and it will read your fingerprint. Okay,
0: so I didn't realize that was different before because on my <laughs> Nexus 6P, which has a fingerprint reader, yeah, works. So like it's nice.
1: very similar to what you do on Android. You raise your phone, and it unlocks. Uh, sorry, and it wakes, right? Yeah. And then if you put your finger on the back, which is where the fingerprint is, um, it unlocks. So that is good. Uh, right, so Apple stole this. Yep.
0: They wow. did outrageous
1: the other big improvement for me is the keyboard on both uh, on two fronts one is the one is the fun part, which is uh, emojis are much more easy to type. It suggests uh, emojis every now and then when you detects one of the words that uh, matches an emoji that is fun, but the um, Really interesting
0: thing for me is that this is this is by the way still the biggest issue that I have with the phone. I just can't type on it. Still no? No, no. It, it it's taking me ages. Maybe because I still you're not aiming use my, a bit lower. My Android case? phone. Yeah, you you have to tap slightly beneath the actual button. And on iOS, you still have so many absolutely tiny buttons. Mm. On Android, the design guidelines uh, prescribe you to have way larger touch interfaces. And on Android, you still have uh, sorry, on iOS, you still have those tiny buttons. Yep. And it sometimes, sometimes takes me like like five taps in order to hit it once. And uh, yeah, my when I type text it, it looks like I'm drunk because I just aim for the row above yep. the one I actually try to hit. Yep.
1: So the other thing I was going to say is about the keyboard. The multilingual keyboard for me is a great addition because I normally type a lot in Spanish and English uh, at the same time. So you no longer need to switch from one language to the other. You can just type in both and it will that automatically detects which one and autocorrect in both languages. That is great. It's got the slight downside of uh, dictation. Um, if you only have the English keyboard but type also in Spanish, you have no way of dictating in Spanish. Okay. The, the only way would be to add Spanish keyboard in which you end up in the same situation where you need to cycle through emoji keyboard, uh, English keyboard, Spanish keyboard, I which see. is annoying. Um and finally, the the last thing I would say is 3D touch is kind of useful now, uh, whereas before it was just like something that no one would use. Now I find that I find myself exploring and 3D touching everything, so I'm enjoying that. There's quite a few nice shortcuts.
0: Yeah, I've been using this a bit, but it's so inaccessible and e- hard to discover. So I'm just hard pressing on on everything, trying to see if it does something and. Every now and then I find something and think I'm I'm a genius for discovering this, but <laughs> I think it's just a, a pretty weird concept. Cool. Yep. Um finally uh, something I really miss from
1: iOS ten is threaded conversations. If you get three DMs or Facebook
0: notifications or whatever, they will take up the whole screen because Oh yeah, the notification management is still terrible. And sometimes I get notifications and I don't really know how to go from there into the app. So I'm not sure if oh, this because is
1: you swipe and it actually goes to a camera or the widgets, right? Uh, n- n- no, sometimes
0: yeah. I just get a notification, like l- let's say I get a tweet, and I don't really know how to go from there to the actual tweet. Uh, sometimes I feel like I have to double tap, but I think that that is just me being too impatient. Yeah, uh, I, think I just have to tap once. And well, you can uh, force touch. I don't know what the right but terminology that is for the is. quick reply. If yeah exactly so if
1: I force touch then I get the quick reply or the like option oh this but is it look you swipe right so
0: if you do that oh but if I if I sc- uh, no, no. swipe down and get the notification pane on an unlocked phone s- you, you just tap on it I just tap on it No, in oh. this case oh yeah it's it's a bit weird but I think we both agree that yeah. the notification I tap on it maybe it's a bug in the app I don't know yeah Perhaps it's it's that, but it's it's a bit inconsistent. The lack of threading is a bit annoying. Yeah, um, yeah. Android is definitely ahead in that game. But um, so I don't think you've ever actually gotten to use Nougat, have you? I think your phone died before you actually no. got it, right?
1: It, uh, I did upgrade to
0: Nougat, yeah. And, and you used it? Yeah. Or? Okay, because... I don't like the new notifications, and I'm not sure if I'm uh, the small in, in a small minority here, but to me, the autom- automatic collapsing of the notifications is extremely annoying. So I tend to get still get a lot of Twitter notifications, uh, sometimes like 30+, and it will collapse them, and the order seems to be completely random. So if I then expand them, I see some, some random stuff, like somebody liked one of my tweets, at the Mm. top and something important like someone replied to me and told me an idiot is somewhere in the middle hidden and i won't see it until i go either online and go through my twitter notifications or i open the app and go to the notification panel and there seems to be no way of um restoring the old behavior on a app by app basis so i i really don't like the new behavior i sometimes just look at my um nexus 5 because it won't get the new update and um just, just to see my Twitter notifications there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Notifications are hard. Yeah, unfortunately, when I use the Android uh,
1: notifications, I just think they are better, and so I don't get to uh,
0: that kind of um, level of. Yeah, even with those complaints, I, I still feel like they are better yeah. than than. Yep. Yeah. iOS. And the last thing, uh, I made the mistake of trying to use Overcast. Oh. Yeah, so I use Pocket Casts on um, all my Android phones. I tried Overcast once, and my God, it sounds so much better, especially if you're like me and you can't listen to anything at 1x. So um, th- the sped-up playback is s- just sounds so much better. You have yep. way fewer artifacts in, in the output, and... I think even music doesn't sound awful. I mean, I, I wouldn't. Why What would you? But I- if you have some some intro song or something, I don't. I don't feel like unplugging my headphones quickly because yeah, otherwise they I just sound
1: sped up. But um,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's really nice. I don't know what, what Marco does there, um, but I think that Pocket Cast maybe just uh, use the public API stuff for this. But then I also heard that they have some. C++ um, native blob yeah. that they use cr- for yeah. cross-platform stuff, so I don't know.
1: Well, Michael pretty much rewrote his audio engine. So he... Sorry. He wrote his own audio engine, so yeah. that's why he's got... And he really knows about audio and he really likes it and he's and very... And he cares, yeah. Detailed. So I, r- I remember when I met him uh, at um, NSConf a couple of years ago, I asked him, have you explored the idea of um, detecting music and disabling the 2x or whatever uh, increased speed you may have or the removing silences when it detects speed he told me that he had been looking at some papers uh that had been researching that but it's not very detecting the music is not very accurate and there would be many false positives and imagine you're listening to your podcast at 2x and suddenly pauses 1x and then it continues,
0: that would be a bit annoying. So Yeah, the the only complaint I have about Overcast is that the ads really look terrible. I understand why he added them, but my God, it looks so shit in yeah. the app.
1: I paid for the premium version, yeah. like in um, Overcast 1, so I don't see ads.
0: Yeah, I don't really intend to switch over to it to listen to podcasts, so I haven't paid for it. But I really wish he would have gone for a model like sponsored podcasts or something, just just have promoted ones in there.
1: I'm sure he's cool. tried or he's explored the possibility, but I don't know. It's a difficult market. A yeah. Way. Yeah. Okay. So talking about um, phones, iOS and stuff, uh, there was a Google event yesterday?
0: There was, yes. Yeah. What happened? Oh, man. They, they tried so hard to be Apple. It was a bit painful to watch, to be honest. I, I don't know if it was only me, but yeah. It w- <laughs> those events are clearly aimed at at press people, like the verge to write the articles afterwards. Yeah. Everything ha- had basically leaked before. I th- I'm trying to think of anything that I didn't know beforehand. I think Google Wi-Fi. There weren't too many details about this available in advance. So it's basically like Eero. That, oh, are they Eero? Eero, yep. yeah. Those ma- mesh network um, Wi-Fi boxes that you can buy. Yep. Sounds interesting. I don't really need one, but I will probably get a Google Home when it's available. Yeah. By the
1: way, just those Google Wi-Fi for the listeners that may not know this, it's just basically a kind of solution that's got trendy lately. These are little small devices that you place over the place. They they build a mesh
0: network within your home. Yeah, but it it basically removes all the
1: complexity of having to pair your routers together, and sorry, your access points together, which has always been a pain. I think when I get one of them, Bunch of this for my my parents over Christmas because uh, yeah they've they live in a big house well not big house but like three story house and the Wi Fi is so terrible every time I try to talk to them on on Skype or FaceTime or something like that it's just a it's a drama that but is
0: that is such a good point I'm in the exact same boat I should just get them some for Christmas if yeah. it's available by then
1: when are they coming out I think they are much cheaper than Eros right
0: uh, I think a three-pack was about 300 dollars so probably 400 quid by then (laughs) (laughs) brexit (coughs) means brexit Um, yeah, but something I, I've been thinking about, and I didn't read up on Twitter if they ha- have come to a conclusion there. But so they, Google themselves hyped this event like crazy up front. And they were like, this is, they were trying to draw a line in the sand and say, like, this is the day you will remember 10 years from now, like the original Android release. And I'm still not sure what exactly they could have tried to refer to. Do you know?
1: Not really. Maybe uh,
0: <laughs> maybe the phones will... Yeah. I guess it's like, this is when Google actually started building their own phones. But even the Pixel brand isn't new or anything. They have built their own hardware before.
1: I mean, the difference is, before all the Nexus phones h- had always been built uh, by other brands, like the Nexus yeah. 5X is LG, the 6 p is uh, Huawei. Is that correct? Um, I think even Samsung built their Nexus
0: s I think no yeah, but and nexus. the nexus ten yeah, I mean the, they had a lot of devices, yeah, and uh I, I, f- for example one well, uh, i I bought a nexus ten, was an early adopter of that, and in the beginning it was so painful because of the driver situation, there was some new Qualcomm chip in there, and they didn't ha- have stable drivers yet, so it would just crash daily because they uh, had some memory leaks inside the GPU driver. Mm. And you would think that if Google controlled everything end-to-end, that wouldn't happen. But I also bought uh, a Pixel C, which was their new 10-inch tablet, around Christmas last year. And I'm not even sure if I talked about this on the podcast. I might have. But it was an absolute disaster. It was one of the few electronic devices I've returned. Uh, The only other thing I can remember was a Samsung s3 if i recall correctly okay which was just riddled with security vulnerabilities and i felt really unsafe just uh using it at all um but it it kept crashing uh there were some really horrendous input the, the galaxy 3. no that was uh, the pixel pixel c oh, so pixels, so yeah. the tablet i used it for a week i i tried my best to make it work but i because it was a um had, had, had an absolutely lovely design. It felt really great, but the software on it was just yeah. unusable, really. So I'm pretty sure they've ironed out the issues over over Actually. time, but I'm not too confident in the execution, and I will definitely not pre-order one or even try to get one within the first month or two.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, there, there were a lot of announcements, like the Google Assistant, again. Uh, I don't know. Um, we obviously hear about this stuff way more often and earlier than than other people might but none of this really struck me as new i mean we've heard about this before at google io obviously yeah in detail but even there i feel like i've been using most of this already with the only well the the only addition that they've showed now that is new to me being able to reserve a table somewhere Wasn't that part of the demo they gave at the I.O.? Yes, but it was the demo for the Assistant, which wasn't available or still isn't available and will be available with a new phone.
1: Okay, I'm confused
0: now. So that was part of Allo as well, right? Yes. Yeah, the Assistant powers all those systems. So it's not part of their new phone. It's part of of Google Home and it's part of Allo. Yeah. Okay, you will need to... A diagram for me here <laughs> <laughs> an org chart maybe yeah an org chart of those yeah then they talked about better image recognition and i mean the advances that are incredible I, I don't want to downplay this but
1: yeah
0: it's so incremental that it's difficult to get really excited about them and they are already available they yeah. probably ship improvements to that every week yeah. and we get them in google photos and in google search and everywhere else
1: it's funny that Google are so good at AI and all the technical stuff, but they are so bad at marketing, aren't they? Whereas Apple, probably they're not as good on the AI kind of...
0: I mean, if they hype an event like this, couldn't they get some more excited speakers onto the stage? Uh, Yeah, if they... I mean, they they clearly try to be like an Apple keynote there in in (laughs) the announcements. Uh, There was this... Really weird Johnny Ive-ish impression, yeah. trying to announce the material design of um or the industrial design of the new phone, and it just felt so wrong. How was it diversity-wise on stage? Um, there was definitely one woman on the stage, but I haven't kept track of the total. I I left for for a moment because all the VR stuff wasn't too okay. interesting to me, yeah. so I, I don't have a full picture. But yeah. It's yeah. not great, nonetheless. Because Apple are, are trying at
1: least to get people.
0: Cool. I'm not sure if there's much more to add. Is, is yeah. So yeah. I, I want to say some positive things about this. So, for example, one thing that bothers me about the iPhone, the 6S, is actually the camera bump. I didn't expect this, but it kind of bothers me a bit that if you put it flat on a table, that it it wobbles. So you can press one edge, and then, yeah. Um, even though the 6P with its weird bulge looks a bit weird at first on first sight, I think it's actually the the better approach. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm really glad that they completely managed to get rid of that one, and yeah, the way they. Uh, they used their word benchmark score without any context was slightly weird but like yeah we've got a score of 89 yeah so I did a bit of research and uh, so everyone else before said we had the best camera ever like Samsung and HTC and they got it, a it, score of 88
1: H D C did the same with the H D 10 right and basically the camera is the same I think maybe yeah probably I apparently that website is not that reliable and kind of
0: I I like that they focus on that kind of stuff because it really bothers me how bad it is with all the previous Nexus phones. But then again, I've heard it every single time. Can you recall any phone announcement in the past three years that didn't have a part where they said, and this time we have the best camera ever, we've compared it to everyone else, and we are the best? I remember with the Nexus 4, with the Nexus 5, with the 5X and the 6 P, and
1: with the 6, the Nexus 6. Uh, and is now. And to be honest, one of the things that annoyed me the most with the 5x was the camera, so slow, so slow. Autofocus, yeah. uh, so it's slow. When, you, but you know, it's always the same. By the time you take the picture, it's just
0: blurry. yeah. And yeah. I've heard the same phrase again. I, I think uh, I need to look this up. A bit if they actually used it before, but they say, yeah, you you won't miss any important moments because uh, of input lag. I really wish that were true, but yeah, I I think I've given up hope at this point. Please prove me wrong. Um, One more cool thing. They said um, they would be able to charge the phone for seven more hours in battery usage in just 15 minutes. So you plug it in for 15 minutes, you get seven additional hours in terms of usage. If it doesn't explode. Yes. Yeah. Uh, One thing about this, by the way, so... um, I stopped listening to a different podcast. It's an iOS podcast. And I don't want to shame them here uh, on this one. I mean, not that we have too many, uh, that much overlap anyway. But the arrogance of some Apple fanboys to me is just absolutely shocking. So this whole Samsung thing, I'm definitely not a Samsung fan. I've never really been, but you know that. But if you make fun out of people getting... Seriously injured yep. and being in danger and having their houses on fire, then you're overstepping a line. Yep. And uh, I, th- I, I just can't even fathom how out of touch you have to be to to make fun of <coughs> of those people. So yeah, yeah. Let's stay classy.
1: Yeah, let's keep it classy. Um, okay, so I think we've. Oh, we've got one more piece of news that we're gonna very quickly cover. GitHub. Launched a new set of tools to improve the workflow. Uh, we s- we've been talking about this for the last couple of episodes: uh, code reviews and project project management. And they yeah, I think this is
0: quite on topic here. Yeah, um, I'm I'm really glad to see how much um, GitHub is delivering. And um, a, l- a lot of people from the outside seem to think that this is because of the open letter that uh, I also co-signed there at the beginning of the year. I'm I'm not sure how much that actually. Sparked this new movement because it happened so quickly afterwards, and given how I know big companies work i'm not sure they they were actually able to turn it around that quickly i I think that was just uh a nice coincidence, but also it seems like um they've gotten a bit more competition now GitLab in particular seems to be pushing out features like crazy and they've adopted some of their offerings now but yeah they they 've been um shipping some really cool stuff so one thing we've actually mentioned here on the show was the the inability to batch comments on reviews which can be really frustrating once you once you're used to to um, reviewing code like this so that means if you have a big review and you start adding your comments you you might find uh can we have some documentation for this particular usage here and then you see in a different file, there's actually a big block on how to use it. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, never mind. Uh, by that time, you will have, re- will have already left a comment on the first occasion there. And the person got yeah, the notification? and then maybe, yeah. yeah, exactly. The person will have gotten the notification. Then, oh, yeah, actually, you could check that file. And then you reply, oh, never mind, I've actually found it. And the complete conversation there is just useless yeah. noise. Now you can still leave a comment. And then remove it later, and never send it because you just yeah. write all your comments at once, and then yeah. choose you to. You do a publish full pass the to the whole
1: code. You go commenting yep. on the go, and then you can re-review your comments. Exactly, and,
0: and it's com- and it's completely optional. If you prefer the old model of directly leaving comments, uh, basically in real time, then you can still do that. Yep.
1: Yeah, and the other big addition is the ability uh, to protect branches. Uh, yeah, branches that's that require approval. Yep. Uh, it's m- so the concept is much more straightforward because at the moment is either you own the thing and you can merge in a thing and approve all the pull request or you don't. Uh, well, that was until 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 this. I haven't used it yet, but the system looks much more similar to what we've spoken about. What we had uh, a Twitter uh, with yeah, Garrett, with Garage yeah.
0: for example, yeah, where you can restrict the permissions and it's uh, the the actual change at GitHub is incredibly easy. You just can't click the button, yeah, so the merge pull request button will be disabled until all the checks have passed, or you cannot also set that a review needs to be done before, so that's similar to plus twoing yep. a commit before it can can be merged,
1: yeah, you can also send review requests uh, to people
0: and yeah, and people um had found ways before to mirror that that kind of behavior on GitHub. So the Rust project, for example, just didn't use the, the build and merging mechanisms at all and had a bot that would merge it instead. Oh nice. So um I think it's called BORs. And so there it would make sure that people had reviewed the code, left a special comment, and uh then if everything worked, it would run the tests, rebase it and merge it into master. Yep.
1: Well so, um finally the the second big thing they added was project management. Uh I think from the screenshot once again, I haven't used it yet, but from the screenshots and the uh, press brief or of, of the, the announcements, uh, it looks very similar to Trello. You can set up a few columns and even the icon looks very similar. Um indeed, yeah. So I think that's gonna be a welcome addition. I'm sure can you can you do you know if you can um set the
0: visibility of that board? Is it can you make it only visible for some people uh, that I actually contributors? I don't know. I feel like it wouldn't really be in the spirit of, of GitHub to restrict the vid- visibility of open source projects, but um, who knows? I, I haven't used it yet, but I think this is a great addition. Um, I've used a third-party tool for this before. It's called Waffle. Waffle.io. No,
1: when, when I said visibility, I don't mean... Uh, but the same way that some, the maintainers are the people that merge stuff. With uh, the board,
0: only some people can move tickets from one column to the other and things like that. I'm not sure if it's that sophisticated. Again, I would be surprised because it seemed like they wanted to ship something that is immediately useful and that seems like a pretty advanced feature that is probably um, not required for for the basic usage, at least in open source projects. Yeah, but it's cool. I'm looking forward to to using it. Um, yeah, at the can. moment, I'm still basically using GitHub as my write-only uh, op- code outlet, where I just put push all my Haskell stuff in in the <laughs> evenings. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then let's move on to app workflow. We want to talk about release management this time after we've wrapped up code review in the last episode, and I think there. Are Two predominant models in the app release world, so um the first one is you release based on based on features, so you say we want to ship this big feature and then we'll have a massive release and roll it out based on that this is this works fairly well for small teams, and if you need your big bang releases, so if overcast comes out with streaming, it makes sense to wait with a big release until that feature is finished but since it's a one man team that's um fairly easy decision to make but once you have tens if not hundreds of developers that coordination can get really really tricky because everyone wants to get their features into the next release yeah. and everyone ge- wants to get in for like 4.0 the big bang uh
1: release and uh, so in this kind of in the other model we're going to talk about
0: um the number is less important um yeah, I don't even know what what the Twitter release numbers on I both on trains. On, on iOS, we're on 65, six six point six. Actually, I, th- I think there was a um, pretty big bump on uh, Twitter for Android when the night mode was added. Oh, was oh and, and the sidebar. The okay. sidebar. But that was basically decided after the fact. So, oh, everything is in. That is a pretty massive user visible change. Let's just have a bit of a celebration and bump the version number. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. but the release model that's, that is actually used at most big companies um, is the release train model. And the idea here is that you have fixed train schedules and the train leaves the station every single time and it won't wait for a single passenger to hop onto the train. No, yeah. it will leave. And if you miss it, you will have to wait for the next train. And uh, so at Twitter, that was every Friday at a given time. Uh, at that point the master would be cut into sec- separate branch yep. and that was the new release branch yeah
1: so that was um a uh, every friday for android and every other friday for ios so because of the um, more strict kind of schedule like uh to get the app reviewed and approved by apple it didn't make sense uh it didn't make make so much sense to have it done every week now that the release, uh, the, the um, review time has gone down to just a day or so, um, it may be reviewed in the in the in the future. But as of now, is every two weeks. Yeah,
0: I think I think a lot of companies follow a similar schedule. Yeah. By the way, when
1: before we continue, when was time you became aware of this kind of um, way of releasing? Because for me, it came with Chrome when suddenly, uh, I didn't know before that um, Chrome, every six weeks. Yeah, they, they would seem have, have
0: popularized yeah. this model or and at least brought it into the, the public attention. Yep. Yeah.
1: and suddenly
0: Chrome yeah. became Chrome 20
1: and it was like, what the hell is
0: this? Yeah, I, I still and remember when you would, would find the new Chrome release uh, at the top of Hacker News, same for Firefox, like, Chrome 10 is now and then you yeah. would find a blog post with all the new features yeah. and all of a sudden like wait we're now at Chrome 40 this doesn't make any sense yeah
1: as of right now I'm running uh Chrome let me check Chrome 54 yeah yeah so um, but even when Chrome started doing this Firefox was still like doing Firefox 5 or something like that if I remember correctly um, but yeah for me that was the first time i became aware of this of this kind of methodology of release release model of every X weeks you release whatever you have And
0: and just to be clear, this model only really makes sense in the space where the delivery of the application to the user still has some cost attached to it. So not not in terms of actual physical dollars, but um, there's some effort that it takes to get it to the user. It has to be bundled, it has to be downloaded, it has to be installed. All those steps can fail in, in some way. All of them have some friction, even though most of it happens automatically these days. That's what I was going to say. So it's a hybrid model in between
1: what the web does, like continuous deployment. Like you you can get, you know, every three minutes, you maybe get a different website or web app. This is something in between. And one of the the things needed, the part of the infrastructure needed that make this popular is the auto-updaters, which Google did really well with Chrome from the beginning, from, I think, from Chrome 1. Before, from the very very first version of Chrome they built a really robust uh, auto updater yeah. and that's why they never had the IE7 or 6 problem because they could auto update uh, all the browsers yeah exactly and this why we
0: now speak of evergreen browsers all yeah. of all those browsers that automatically receive updates yeah
1: and in the mobile world this became more popular when both Apple and uh, Android started getting
0: auto update. I think Android had it most of the time. Uh, p- ah, I, I wish I would have looked this up before, but it still kind of boggles my mind, because I, I remember on Android, it was an option for a really long time, so you could yeah. go to settings and make automatic updates, but when they changed the default for this one, that basically changed the entire industry. I, I, I think that's just yeah. incredible to think about. Someone decided, yeah, let's just make this tick here set by default and everything changed that that changed how companies were organized how those release schedules happened, and how well yeah how entire businesses started to operate i think apple introduced it with ios 6 only it
1: was quite late in the game uh but when it did it also helped a lot because android as usual did it only half-baked because (laughs) as soon as the app would
0: change permissions that opt update would not happen exactly, yeah, and that still caused huge issues. Then, if you wanted yeah. to change the permissions of your application, uh, adding yeah, ad ad permissions to the Android app yeah. on Twitter is like a like a yeah the elections should. in the U.S. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you have to convince a lot of people, but it, it, it's not just because it's inconvenient, but you have obviously data. backing all of this stuff and if you can see a dramatically depressed upgrade curve not only do you have to think really hard about if you want to do it at all but also when you want to do it because all of a sudden the train becomes super important again because once you miss that train that happens before the new permission is requested uh, the number of users that will receive your update in the next couple months uh, might be drastically lower than the one before Yep. Yeah, but I <laughs> I still remember when uh, the auto update was suddenly turned on, I didn't like it. I went to all my phones that I had back then and turned it off like, this is rubbish. I want to be in control. I decide when my apps are up- updated. Oh. Now in hindsight, this gotcha. feels like uh, me holding on to headphone jacks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what happens when the release branch is cut I think something that is really important is this happens completely automated, so there's no person involved. Uh, You can try to beg the script, uh, the cron table or whatever it is that makes the decision. It won't change its mind. Uh, When the time has come, the branch will be cut off. It will be named something like release, dash, five point, something. Please don't tell anyone, but the reality is that
1: if you beg the right person... It can actually be delayed for a few minutes. Yeah, it can be, <laughs> but
0: yeah, this this sh- really shouldn't happen. <laughs> 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 yeah. So and now let's look, just go through the happy path. Um, it in Twitter terms, if I remember this correctly. That branch will be used in the beta channel that people can opt in. And I think that that's a public beta, right? So everyone who's interested in having a really crashy Android app, it's actually not that bad. Yeah. Please opt in. Um, You can just go to some website, um, sign up, and then you will get beta updates, which are cut every Friday, and uh, will then sit in that branch for another week. Yeah, I think on Android we have alpha and beta, don't we? We do have Alpha and Beta, but yep. this release branch then is used it, for for the beta channel yep. for week. And we will Alpha b- is updated a few a few three times a week. Uh
1: during the week before. I think. Yeah, I
0: think the, the alpha branch which also happens but did I say Alpha or Beta? Sorry, Alpha I meant. Again. Yeah, that that is directly cut off of master. Yep. To get some additional s- signal. Yeah. But yeah, that the, the beta branch is then monitored quite closely and if there are any new crashes that you found on metric drops then that will be investigated. And if something turns out to be really bad, then uh, you can fix it. Push your patch onto the release branch there, get it in. And we will talk about this in a bit more detail. But yeah, get your changes in there. And then the week after, everything will be bundled into an APK, uploaded to the Play Store. And luckily, this can all be automated now because they have some public APIs for this. Uh, If you can... If you are working in an environment where you follow a similar model and you release often, try to invest some time to automating this because I've seen it plenty yeah. of times failing if you involve manual steps there. Uh, I, I think if you go through the news, you will find several occasions where people ended up with a debug menu still <laughs> enabled in, yeah. in some of the public bills that we had.
1: Yeah, So it's also interesting to to mention that during that week, uh, the thing is in beta. O- on iOS as far as I know we don't have a beta channel just yet. Um but during that week our QA team will run very exhaustive uh regression tests just to try to find um uh, anything that may have uh been broken during the development week that this happens every now and then. Um so yeah that for me this is something this has changed recently, but for me it's very important and I really really appreciate the effort of the QA team I feel more, I feel safer um, in a way
0: so yeah, it's, it's really good even if the beta channel includes possibly millions of users for a yeah. popular app it's still less worse than ruining the production app with hundreds of millions of users Yeah. also beta users have opt, opted in deliberately so they know what they're in, in for so on iOS after a week um
1: uh, after bake week that we, we call it, uh we send it to Apple and usually after a few hours, one day we get it approved and if there are no blocking issues we we release it. Um do we do, do does Twitter do stage rollouts, you know?
0: Um, uh not on Android, no. Oh, Android. Okay. And uh, um since I've learned this from a public presentation uh Facebook actually does; um, they they use that feature, and I think Twitter thought about using that feature as well because it's super helpful. Uh, for those of you who don't know, in, in the Google Play Store, if you publish a new app, you can select to only roll it out to a certain percentage of, of your users. So I think in the beginning you could select one percent to five, and then up to fifty and a hundred, and they uh, luckily lower that, and I think you can select up to a quarter of a percent. Yeah, it got if not even lower. lower yeah. yeah, that's really good, because I had an app that had like a couple million of installs, and I was really scared of just rolling it out to yeah. 1%. I wanted to be super sure. that.
1: Yeah, I wish this worked. was available on iOS as well, yeah. uh, every time I release an
0: update to, to my app. Yeah, and um, that wasn't really because I wasn't testing. I obviously was, but as a sole developer back then, I obviously didn't have access to all the devices it could yeah. run. And sometimes I would get the most obscure crashes from from Samsung ones just because my class file wasn't right for them.
1: Yep. Okay, very related to this, uh, something we mentioned during the first episode dedicated to the workflow, which is feature switches. Um, Feature switches are some kind of dashboard we we have uh, where we can control what features are enabled we can disable features on the flight. Um, basically, what this dashboard generates is a configuration file that clients will download um, often. Um, and that configuration file determines what things are enabled. It allows us to run experiments, see, okay, this if we make this button red instead of green, um, what's the impact on how many people press it or, or, or people that... Ignore it and things like that. This also allows us to um, release mo- with more confidence because if anything goes wrong, we can always disable it and revert back to the the safe the safe path. And it allows us to. I think this is a basic thing for this release tr- uh, release train model because it allows us to always merge to master even exactly. when things are not completed. Um, so if you start developing your new fantastic feature, that I don't know. Uh, Adds balloons to to your profile picture when you, when uh, your birthday comes. Uh, the initial uh, phases of the of the f- of the feature can be disabled. You can always enable it for for a
0: small percentage of people yep. if you want to test it. This is similar to a stage rollout. It's it's a necessary condition for working with this model, the yep. branchless model, where you always have a stable master that you can cut off at every time. Because yep. if we had no feature switches it would be impossible let's say you work on something like um i don't want to say live video even though i worked on this but that you can basically still control the public visibility of it because um you can only enter three tweets and if there are no tweets that contain yeah. links to live video it's not there but let's say moments which is a new tab, which you obviously need to add to the app if you ever want to try it if you had no feature switches you would have to wait until it's done before you can release it because otherwise uh, y- you would have to say, oh, yeah, yeah, wait before the branch cut. I have to quickly yep. remove this line here that adds the new tab to the app. And that's obviously not something you can do. And by having feature switches, not not only, as you said, you can disable it for the release, um, for the public release it, releases if the feature isn't ready yet but you can also say if you're an employee you can still dog food it and give feedback even though it's not not fully done yet or you could even say for beta users it's fine but it might still be a bit crashy needs a bit more um, testing out in the world and keep it there for those users yeah. and for people that don't remember
1: dog food is the employee only version that many companies uh, develop and is a flavor of the app that um, usually has some yeah. extra features and allows
0: us allow allow companies to to test some of these features. And also super important, if you find out that something is broken, which you may not have seen before. Again, it could happen that your live video player doesn't work on Samsung phones. Then you can just disable it. You mm-hmm. don't have to get a hotfix out, work late night to disable it somehow in the app. And then the APK can be uploaded. Exactly. Yeah. You can just change something online, and all of. And disappears from everyone's phone or you could be more specific and say disable this but only for Samsung phones that we know it's broken for yeah
1: but the reality is that things do break properly and feature switches cannot save you from
0: every single bug or, or disaster right yeah absolutely you have to be really careful where you add code that isn't guarded by feature switches but sometimes there's just no way um, if you write a replacement for example it sometimes can be a lot of effort to make sure that you have both the old and the new version of a yeah. feature in the app right so we said sometimes even with QA good test coverage and everything um, you can have the occasional regression something we tried to do to mitigate this uh, at Twitter was that we wouldn't we would try to avoid merging on Friday altogether. So Friday was the day when the branch was cut at the end of the day. And we tried to avoid this because that would mean uh, we would have at least one day of dog feeding internally. And it would also give QA people a chance um, to check on the debug build, uh, on the dogfood build that was released the next day that everything was sound.
1: Yeah, and even with all those uh, protection measures, quite a few things uh, that break the app and get into into the release branch. And during those occasions, there's no other alternative but to apply um, for an exception. Uh, and this is pretty much uh, convincing a few people that your bug is important enough that you want to put some extra code uh, cherry-picked into the release branch. Yeah, and As there were some
0: pretty... Clear criteria for that, so it, for example, it h- has to be something that is not behind the feature switch, so it's something you can't just toggle off.
1: Yep, yeah, if you can toggle it off, um, yeah, it will be toggled off. Um, yeah, this is something that is usually a really not nice thing to do, and people really don't like it. So, fortunately, haven't had to do it for a really long time. So, uh, but it's something that is there. And um, with this, I think we can. Live this subject, I think we have probably uh enough material to talk a bit more uh about development process uh, for one final episode on this on this subject.
0: One particularly big topic that we haven't really covered yet is metrics. I think it's super important. we've touched on it uh, here and there before, so it's one of the things that we look at when we release a new feature, but how does it actually happen and how do you use it? Something we want to talk about and that should give us enough stuff for for another episode
1: yeah and we'd like to talk about some picks or
0: yeah let's do it let me pick my podcast first um it's embedded.fm and it's also something that really pushes me out uh, out of my comfort zone because it talks about um actual embedded devices like low level stuff uh the next time we have uh, a guest on the show we should copy one one thing that they do they ask them a bunch of a bunch of quick questions in the beginning that they have to answer quickly, like favorite planet, favorite uh, assembly dialect, fi- favorite microprocessor. Uh, it, it's super interesting, and even though sometimes stuff is completely over my head, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, and it gives you a really interesting different perspective because the software that they write for embedded embedded devices follows such a different process than yep. the stuff that we write. There's no auto-update on those. Yeah, they, they argue about um, the need of testing in, in general and, and that kind of stuff. So it's uh, quite <laughs> illuminating to to listen to. And I, I, I don't want to sound dismissive here. It's it's incredible what those people do. And they, they had some people who write software for NASA and for wow. stuff that ends up in space. And uh, they clearly know what they're doing and they are way yeah. better at this kind of stuff than most of us are. Sounds good. Sounds
1: like my kind of thing. Um... Alright, and talking about embedded devices, something I've fallen in love with and is the DJI Mavic Pro. Um is a drone.
0: Ooh, another one.
1: Yeah, foldable. The size of um like that bottle, water bottle, bottle you've got there. That uh, everyone
0: can see on this podcast, obviously. Yep. Um imagine bottle of water. <laughs> uh. <laughs> one liter. Yeah. Or just Google
1: DJI Mavic Pro. I think I'm going to buy it. I love it. I like drones. This one is good. It will not fly away from me. Uh,
0: (laughs) You said that before, man.
1: (laughs) When I get it and I'll play around with it, I'll I'll report back and see if it's as good as promised.
0: Okay. I've got a game. Um, I've started playing The Last of Us Remastered for PS4. I know I'm really, really late to the game. Um, But it's... It's really incredible. Um, I'm glad that I've waited because the remastered edition, I think, it was originally released for PS3, right?
1: Yep, but it came out, the remastered edition came out as the same, I think, shortly after the PlayStation 4, 4 was released. Okay,
0: yeah. So one of the benefits is it uh, runs at 60 FPS, and <laughs> funnily enough, there's a switch in the options menu yep. where you can uh, restrict it to 30 FPS, and I really wonder what kind of maniac would do that. It does but make a difference, right? yeah yeah it's, it's yep. terrible but i i think it still looks great even the texture quality and everything yeah it looks fantastic and and story is just yeah it's it's really linear but uh i've been enjoying it because i can play it for just 20 minutes if i like and then drop it again and pick have it up. have you finished it no yeah. I, I i don't even know i might be halfway through after playing it for have three you or four months have uh face um, some of the clickers yes Do you like them horrible
1: <laughs> horrible people
0: cool i i've got one more pick uh this is a software pick uh oh. an actual actually useful one and i've been looking for a new password manager for a while i um i don't really like the concept of proprietary password managers even though a lot of them are fine i i don't have the, i i just personally like the idea of looking at the source and know knowing what's going on um i've had an eye on keypass for a long time i don't know if you've if you've seen that one before yeah. there are multiple flavors of this one so keypass uh keypass t keypass x one of them is written in net or mono um then there are some native implementations i found one that is written in electron so that might sound familiar if you yeah. to you um it's called keyweb and it just works with ordinary keypass files so you can author them with whatever tool you like and uh yeah that works on every platform Uh, It also syncs with Dropbox or every other storage provider you can imagine or even WebDAV if that is your thing. Um, So that one worked really well for me. It's nicely designed. It doesn't really get in your way. And um, I found a nice extension for Chrome. So the nice thing is that this format is um, quite broadly understood. So a lot of clients can read this. And there's a Chrome extension called CKP KeyPass Integration. And that one works... Even on Chromebooks, so I know that you were looking for something that could work on a Chromebook before, and it works by using the JavaScript crypto APIs and reads files from all the cloud storage providers. So you don't have to have the file locally, but it reads them from um, Dropbox, for example. I I use Dropbox for this, and yeah, I've 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 been really enjoying this. Sounds great. The setup before.
1: Cool. As always, we will add it to the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And with this, I think
1: we've finished episode nine of Strictly Untyped. And um, as always, you can find us on iTunes and any of your favorite uh, podcast players. Um, yeah, if you want to
0: leave us a rating and we'll tell everyone, we am incredibly tired. I sounded this time. Yeah. Please go ahead.
1: We don't have many ratings. No. Please rate us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it sound really desperate, but yeah, yeah, please,
1: please yeah. do. Um yeah. Also, as always, you can find us on Twitter at uh, Strictly Untyped. Uh, Pasi can be found at Pasi.
0: Yep. Even as a Facebook employee, you can still find me there, and I will keep tweeting.
1: Yep. Uh, and as always, also, uh, you can find me at And um, Yeah. Any feedback, recommendations, suggestions, please make sure you send it to us. And see you next time.
0: Bye. <coughs> That was easy to find.